0: This is Tailgate Till May, your place for year round college sports talk. I'm your host, Stephen Gorgie, and I'm excited to be back for another episode. Today, I'm joined by a couple guys who have been on this show before. The first is my friend, Brian Kaufman, a frequent member of the Tailgate Till May crew during the last football season. Brian's a guy who I believe delivers some of the most well reasoned, well thought out sports takes around, but he's also a man who describes himself as a prisoner of the moment. Brian, how you doing? I'm doing
1: great, man. It's great to be back on the tailgate till May airwaves. You know, the the listeners knew I was heading out on paternity leave. Again, thank you for for the policy that you all offer here at tailgate till May. Uh, Got to bond with my son, Jordan. You can see in the video something you didn't used to see a stroller in the background of my video. So uh, I'm good. I'm good. Parenting is going well. I'm excited to be back talking about sports. And wow, that was like the nicest way anybody's ever described. I believe you said well-reasoned. Nobody's ever called me that. So I appreciate it. I'm happy to be back.
0: So Brent, I was actually going to ask you if we were allowed to talk about Jordan on the podcast, I didn't know if like we could use his name. I didn't know if it was a secret. I mean, it's not a secret that you have a child, but I didn't know if his identity needed to be secret.
1: It doesn't. I, to be honest with you, I, I don't really get when people do that. And I've seen some like funny things like, um, we're actually not announcing the name, but like, here's a picture of them. Like, what does that do? I, I don't get it. And maybe this is like my first admission of a parenting fail, but uh, yeah, Jordan, he's four months old on Saturday and he's doing great.
0: Well, Brian, great to have you back and great to have Jordan here as a member of the tailgate till May squad is now as well, but that is not our second person. That's not the the second person I need to introduce tonight. The second person is a man who I think has only been on this show once, but he he made a big impression. You might remember him as the presenter of one of the most convoluted trivia questions I've ever heard. Ben, Ben Crowley, how you doing?
2: Back by popular demand, huh? You know, the viewers couldn't get enough. They want more convoluted questions. Yeah, I'm doing good. Glad to be here. Uh, Glad you finally invited me back after maybe about a year. It's been a while. Sometime during college basketball, I feel like. But uh, yeah, I'm happy to be here. And uh, stalk Jordan Kaufman's Facebook page now, now that I know his name.
1: I think that was a fairly assessed one year penalty for the way that trivia question went. So I don't know if you're backed by popular demand or like your suspension is finally uh, expiring. Yeah.
0: I mean, math, math definitely not the strong suit of this podcast. College basketball season ended maybe three <laughs> months ago at this point. So don't know where the year is coming from, I but sure, like ben. A year.
2: Uh, yeah. Also, too, I feel like. Just, you know, it feels longer since we've all been together on a podcast. So, like, three months really equals, like, three years in my simple mind. So, it's part of that, too.
0: All right, Ben. Well, it's great to have you back. And before we go any further, look, Ben's on this show. He's kind of going to be our pop culture guy, maybe big movie guy, big video game guy. He considers himself the voice of the people. But he's also – he has a new endeavor. Ben, why don't you tell the people about the – College football-related endeavor, you're trying to get yourself into.
2: Yeah, in case you two haven't noticed my name and by my picture, it's called the Golden Leg. Uh, that refers to my inner talent of leg power. So we all had a conversation. I think it was the first weekend we were all watching college football together, saw some terrible punts. Uh me being the guy that I am who, you know, just thinks very highly of myself, said that. I, off the couch, right now I'm in a very feeble state, haven't worked out much at all over the last five years, could kick a punt of football 40 yards. As we tested this, now we learned that first punt, off the couch, no warm up, barely went 30 yards. However, phase two of my argument is that if you give me a year, I could be a Division I punter. Not the best Division One punter, but a serviceable man on a team to hit the ball down the field, 45 yards at a time. Now, in Stephen and I's experiment, which we will post to social media, I did get 47 yards with very to no training whatsoever. So I've given myself a year that I will train, punt many balls, lift many weights, and lose about 50 pounds and become the most famous Division I punter in America.
1: Also very to no... pass rush
2: on your yeah all right right? well this is off the couch like the talent is there it's there
0: and Ben how much do you believe a pass rush will impact your abilities
2: nothing I'm gonna block it out like it's mostly mental like you only have to like finagle yourself 10% of the time if you look at it
0: Mental Fortress, Ben Crowley here. Ben, a pleasure to have you back on the show. Really excited and really excited to track the progress of a nearly 35-year-old man trying to play Division I football while having never played football at any level before. So really excited for that. And everybody out there, I hope you're excited too, because it's going to be quite a journey.
2: To be fair, I will say the I've only got one varsity year of sports in high school as a golfer, so that's the baseline that we're dealing with here. So this will be, you know, a real big rise to fame. You know,
1: I hadn't anything. thought about this, but, like, I've been rooting against you so feverishly this whole time. <laughs> but, like, the podcast is going to blow up if you become a Division I punter and, like, people can listen back to this. Yeah. So, all right, maybe I need to ease up a bit. Maybe I need No, to I
2: up. want your hate and your disbelief in my abilities it's only going to make me want to do it more don't cheer me on don't cheer me on like maybe like you know if i get a letter in the mail after you know sending a handwritten letter to mike loxley saying hey please consider my puntership and then like you know cheer me on while i'm opening it but until then all against me
0: all right well excited to Watch that i have a lot of thoughts on it i have a lot of thoughts on if i want you to fail if i want you to succeed how that might impact the show if it's worth it to to blow up in that way because you end up being on a punt of football we're gonna save that there's plenty of time to talk about that uh so let's let's move on here but ben brian a pleasure to have you back for everybody out there both of these guys are my good buddies they're people i love talking college sports with and going forward they're gonna be a big part of tailgate till may we're kind of officially hammering out our plans right now, but generally what I can tell you is you're going to get one episode per week with all three of us. And then as the football and basketball seasons ramp up, we'll put together a more defined plan for additional content. Uh, some of those additional episodes outside the the big show with the three of us will probably be some more solo episodes by yours truly. Some of them will probably be just two two of us together. Uh, Sometimes we'll have all three of us together multiple times a week, but rest assured, if you like what Brian and I did last football season, if you like what I was doing during basketball season, don't worry. This is only going to allow us to do more of what you like and try out some different things as well. So we'll keep you all posted as we hammer out our plans, but this is our Tailgate Till May crew going forward, and uh, I'm really excited about it. So for today, let's get into things because, you know, I like to get into things. This is a show where we talk college sports year round, and and I can't wait to talk about the action on the field, on the court, etc. It's a big weekend in the world of college sports. Memorial Day weekend. Today, we had the men's lacrosse national championship game, baseball, Selection Sunday, some big things, or Selection Monday, rather, some big things going on. We're also going to get into some big picture macro topics around the world of college sports to help you get a feel for Brian and Ben and what they're all about. But we got to start with the big news of the day, and that's the college baseball bracket reveal. Guys, Wake Forest earns the number one seed. They had a dominant season. They did not win the ACC tournament, but they won the ACC regular season, and they were kind of the clear-cut number one team all year long. Uh, but Earning the number one seed is maybe not the best thing. Since we went to this current format of 64 teams in 1999, only one number one overall seed, that was Miami, in 1999, has actually won the College World Series. So maybe that is a good thing for our Maryland Terrapins who head down to Winston-Salem is the two seed there. Uh, look, we don't pretend to be college baseball experts on this show. This is a college football and college basketball show. Those are the two balls that are in our logo. There's not a baseball up there, but I do love college baseball. and I do get into it. Not an expert on it, but I do get into it. But Brian and Ben are some guys who actually had a chance to go to a regional last year, something I haven't done myself. So, guys, if we're talking college baseball, I want to start there. I Brian. What was that regional experience last la, like last year when Maryland hosted the regional?
1: Yeah, it was awesome. So we went on Sunday when they needed to win both games to make it to a finale. And I think a few things really, really stood out, right? One, they were down in the first game. Ben and I were talking about the day ending early and, and we we had expected them to win and have to kill time and then get the second game. Um, so that they, they had a comeback win in the first game. Um, it, it was, it was really, really, really fun. I mean, we, I can remember as a student, just like popping my head into the ship in between classes. Cause it's right by the student union. And when you do that, just kind of passing by you're one of three or four people in the stands. And so to see, to go from that to a sellout, to coming back to win that first game, the second game packed, winning the second game in extra innings, late night, getting home way late. It was such an awesome environment. Um, And, and, you know, the College Park Regional was probably one of the best ones (laughs) in last season because it was so unexpected for it to happen at the beginning of the year. Right? Like we thought the team would be good. I don't think we thought hosting a regional good. Um, And so – yeah, it was it was really, really memorable, and it was cool to see, you know, both Maryland games um, and both Maryland wins in that day, and, you know, you couldn't have convinced me that they weren't going to win on Monday when they swept Sunday last year, but unfortunately they, they fell to UConn on Monday, but I had an awesome experience. Ben, hopefully you did too. Um, w- what did you think? Yeah,
2: it was a lot of fun. Uh, I just remember talking to you, like, late in that game, the second game on Sunday, being like, after all of this, if they don't win... I'm going to be upset because it's late and this is the magic that we had. And then they came back one extra innings and that was just phenomenal. Same thing. Like I had never been in a Maryland baseball experience. I didn't know if the fan base was there. Cause every time like you mentioned that we had been there when we were in college, it was like a handful of fans in the stadium. And that's, you know, you don't expect much more than that. And to see sell out everyone stayed there for pretty much both games start to finish was awesome. And unfortunately, you know, Yukon's one of the worst teams in the country to lose to, but um, you know, this year, you know, maybe we, maybe we're the UConn this year in the Wake Forest bracket and uh, we take down that stupid little Wake Forest team. Yeah, maybe
1: I also just, it was, if you remember, it was such a long day. Like we got there like an hour and a half before first pitch of the first game. Yeah. Uh, and we we're just going to like see campus a bit. We got to the game early, wanted to see the atmosphere, and it was funny that the late game went to extra innings because, like, listen, it was exciting as anything. But uh, Ben and I had traveled to Cornerstone to kill time between games. And listen, man, 33 years old now. Drinking puts me to sleep. It doesn't rally me quite like it did when I lived in College Park. So it was a, it was a battle as well. It was yeah, a we had bought for us some all
2: commemorative the mugs, too, that were, like... 24 ounce yeah. beers and kept yeah. filling it them up. Drafts, like,
1: man, it was a Sunday. Yep. Well, so it was a good performance by the team and it was a good performance by us as well.
0: Yeah. We no, drank th- the team to victory. I want to say. Well, you should have gone back Monday and done it because, uh, done sure. it as well because they, they ended up losing on a very controversial call that, that sent that crowd into a frenzy. But guys, I've always thought, like, I remember thinking as young as 13, 14, 15, like, I love college sports so much, but it sucks that growing up a huge college basketball fan, I'm like, I never get to see Maryland in an elimination game at home. I never get to see my favorite team in a playoff game at home. And college baseball actually does offer that opportunity. I love the format that we have here in college baseball with the regionals and the super regionals. And it's really gotten me excited for the 12-team playoff era, to be honest, and the notion of these home playoff games. And it's something like we haven't had in the two big college sports for so long that I'm really excited for now with the 12-team playoff. And and college baseball has got me thinking about that a lot. Brian, I want to go back to you for a second, though. You've been to a lot of different sporting events in your life you've been to nfl playoff games you've been to uh major league baseball playoff games you've been to big maryland basketball games what was that crowd most similar to do you think
1: oh man uh that's a good one um you know it it felt it felt like an ncaa tournament crowd a march madness type of crowd when 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 your team is in a close game and and uh it's you know well represented in the arena I think that that's a good you know it was just like it was pretty you know what you know it honestly too um not to go professional on you but like when the caps started making the playoffs consistently and like people were rocking the living daylights out of the red and that place was like really hard to play really hard to hear yourself think like it was like I can't believe this is happening we're gonna like crush the opponent with cheers type of vibe so maybe that's a bit of a better a better comparison there um it was it was loud it was a little bit rowdy i remember that they had an alumni like a team alumni tailgate outside before the game and some of those guys were slinging beers and you know managed to bring a couple past security it seemed uh that's just kidding they More than a couple. Were, were encouraged to do so yeah um and it was fun they were they were hollering and and rob vaughn knew all those guys and it was it was a really really cool atmosphere
0: we're going to get some great atmospheres this year uh 8 of the 16 regional seeds 8 of the 16 hosts are SEC teams and when They say it just means more. That definitely applies to baseball. Some outstanding atmospheres in the SEC, but also some cool atmospheres we're going to see at places like Coastal Carolina. Now, Coastal Carolina is a school that has actually won a baseball national championship, but it's still a smaller school. It's not an SEC school. It's still a big deal there. Indiana State is hosting a regional, and I imagine that's going to be a lot like Maryland. So really excited for this tournament, really excited to see these home atmospheres and just have nonstop baseball from sunup to sundown. That's the best part of all these tournaments is you just get nonstop sports action during the day. Really looking forward to that. Look, this wouldn't be tailgate till May. This wouldn't be my show if I didn't leave you with a bet here because I got a college baseball bet. I got one I really like and... I don't know, you know, if you guys are gonna poo poo this. I don't know if you're gonna be able to poo poo this. Uh, I don't know that I would have been able to, but I I put a bet down already on Clemson at twenty eight to one to win the national championship. And if you look at some of these facts here, Clemson's the number four overall seed in the tournament. Okay, so twenty eight to one for the number four overall seed just on its face seems way too high. Uh, but if you look further, Clemson won the ACC tournament but not only has Clemson won the ACC tournament, they've won 16 straight games. This Clemson team is hotter than anybody in the country. And when you're hot in baseball, I mean, I feel like you just got to ride that train. So give me Clemson at 28 to one. Their coach, I don't know if you guys know, is Eric Bakich, former Maryland coach, former Michigan coach. This is a guy who's taken Michigan to the College World Series, actually to the championship series of the College World Series. And this is his first year there at Clemson. Unbelievable turnaround job for them. They didn't start off the year great. They've really turned things around. And they have this guy, Caden Grice, Who pitches, he hits, he has an over 1.0 OPS. He has 91 strikeouts in like 69 innings, I think, 69.1 innings. He can do it all. I mean, I'm not going to go with the Shohei comparison because nobody's Shohei Otani, but he's a guy that's really fun to watch. So give me Clemson at 28 to 1, and let's have a ride. What do you guys think?
2: I have a question. Like so, what are two and three and five and six is odds? Like, how off is Clemson's as the fourth overall number one seed? Like, is that a... so?
0: Wake Forest is Wake Forest is plus three eighty, so uh, a little under four to one as the number one overall seed, and they are you know kind of far and away the the best considered the best team in the country this year. But clearly, Clemson
2: um, just beat them, right? In the ACC,
0: they so Miami actually knocked out Wake Wade. Forest. Okay. And so they didn't have to play them. Uh, but it would have been an awesome game. I would have loved to see that. But so Florida is the number two seed. And Florida's just under 10 to 1 at plus 950. So Clemson has something like the, I don't know, 10th best odds they're actually behind virginia virginia a team in the conference who's a seven seed they're a four seed they have they have higher odds virginia's 25 to one clemson's 28 to one so they're they're pretty far down there honestly you're
2: just finding value this is shades of san diego state reaching the final four at 28 to one or 25 to one, whatever that was before.
1: I wonder how much it's it's Tennessee being the two in there, right? Like, they're number one overall last year. I know they lost a bunch of pieces, but, like, SEC teams are good, man. They're scary. I wonder if that played a part.
0: So, interesting thing for you. Tennessee actually has better odds to win the College World Series than Clemson does. Tennessee, on FanDuel, has the sixth best odds at 18 to one. As a number two seed. But it's. As a it's, number two
1: seed who lost 19 games this year. I mean, they're in the SEC, but like, man, that's so funny.
0: And it's weird because, I mean, Clemson's RPI is good too. You know, RPI is kind of the main computer metric used in baseball. They're number six in the RPI. So it's not like they're a team that has filled up on a lot of empty wins, empty calories there. I mean, the computers like them too. So I, look. It might be right. It might be wrong. Baseball is crazy. I I just said no. Uh, only one number one overall seed has has won the national championship since we've gone to this format. So anything can happen on any given day. I, I like those odds at Clemson eighteen to or twenty eight to one. I'm I'm riding with the Tigers. Great environment down there as well. Uh, they're going to be fired up for that, and I'm and I'm fired up to root for for the Tigers.
2: All right, boys, anything else on,
0: on the baseball side here? All right, let's move on then to the other big news of the day. We crowned a national champion. Ben's Notre Dame Fighting Irish win their first ever men's lacrosse national title. 13 9 over Duke. This is a team that has been there a bunch of times. They've lost to Duke a couple times in the national championship game. They finally get it done. Uh, And Notre Dame is your national champion. You know, much like baseball, uh, I don't consider myself a lacrosse expert, but I really do enjoy the sport. I enjoyed the hell out of this weekend's final four games. Both final four games went to overtime. So we had two walk-off game-winning goals. One very controversial in the Duke game, Duke-Penn State game, should have been a crease violation by Duke. The goal shouldn't have counted. However, in college lacrosse, you are not able, that is not a challengeable play. Uh, So the goal stood, Duke advanced, and then fell to Notre Dame in the championship. The story here is Notre Dame winning the championship. Ben, how does it feel that you're Notre Dame fighting Irish? have finally won a national title
2: to be fair i think that baton has been passed on to you after having them in our college football pool and living in chicago so you're the big golden domer now um but brady quinn would be proud don't get me wrong um and the fact that they beat duke is just kind of a you know nice little icing on the cake on top of that but uh it's crazy that they've never won one before because I feel like, you know, I'm a very casual lacrosse fan, but they've always been up there in the top 10 over and over and over again. So for them to finally break through, that's
0: you know, pretty exciting. It is. And it's a team that, like you said, they've been there year in and year out. And it kind of brings me to the larger point that I want to talk about with lacrosse you know, look, Brian and I are both from a place in Maryland where lacrosse actually does have cultural meaning. So I don't know, sometimes I feel like I'm, I maybe don't have the best perspective in this conversation because I didn't play organized lacrosse growing up, but like, I always had a lacrosse stick in our garage, right? Like that's something that was just around. I I knew about lacrosse. I watched lacrosse. I played through the ball around with friends. That's not necessarily the case in a lot of places in this country. So I don't know how skewed my perspective is. But just watching these games this weekend and taking a look at just the the programs that are now competing in lacrosse. Penn State was in a final four. Uh Notre Dame's been good for a long time, but they they won a national they now they finally won a national championship. Michigan won the Big Ten, Big Ten tournament and and made the the NCAA tournament. A couple years ago Ohio State went to a national championship game these are big football playing schools in non-traditional markets that are really starting to compete in lacrosse and i just feel like the physicality of the game the fast-paced fast-paced nature of the game and the fact that it is basically like football a once-per-week sport. I was looking at Maryland's schedule earlier today. They played once per week until the Big Ten tournament with all of their games being on either Friday, Saturdays, or Sundays with, like, 80% of them on Saturdays. Guys, I just look at this, and I see with the Big Ten really – the Big Ten teams making a push towards being competitive in this, how big can this go? Because I think when you get schools like Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State – starting to really compete for national titles, I could easily see a scenario where, for those fan bases, it kind of turns into... Fall Saturdays—it's—it's it's the their version of Fall Saturdays, but when the weather's actually nice outside, they take all that passion that they have for football and all the you know all the tradition and the fun of tailgating and making it an all-day event. If you are if you're scheduling right, if the Big Ten said we're gonna do Saturday triple headers, you know, with our Big Ten schools, and it's gonna be we're gonna like frame it as week one, week two, week three, and we're gonna make it a thing like that. I see this thing growing. And then especially when you look, I was looking at Maryland's roster, Maryland has a couple of guys from the state of Georgia on the roster. It's growing in the South too. And I feel like if you could get a couple SEC teams to get into it, I mean, look at what SEC teams are doing for softball, what they're doing for baseball. They fill those places up every weekend. I feel like lacrosse is on the verge of something really big here. And I know people have been saying that for years, but I feel like... It's just the right mix right now. Am I off base here or is there something to these bigger schools, these football powers getting involved that, you know, gives it some more legs than it maybe had in the past, Brian?
1: Yeah, I think you're onto something for sure. I mean, look at the look at Premier Lacrosse League, too, right? Like lacrosse is picking up nationwide. That That's an actual popular professional lacrosse league and they're they're drafting players from all of these schools so no I think that's a great call I mean I I imagine it would not be hard for those folks like you mentioned to take the passion they're bringing on fall Saturdays and just put it on the spring and I mean it's an exciting sport it is I've fought it for a long time because like you said from Maryland I was a baseball player we're going up against it and you know lacrosse was absolutely booming in popularity when I was trying to focus on my little baseball game and now obviously it's the biggest the biggest sport that there is around here so i i felt a grudge guns across for a while but i can't even i can't deny it. it's, it's it's very exciting and that you know like they're playing in the football stadiums a lot of the time right like it's it it's set up perfectly to to really create an awesome environment so i, I love what you have said here
0: Ben, how about you? You, you know, come from a different perspective, not being from Maryland, being from growing up in Connecticut where, you know, lacrosse exists, but it's not quite the same cultural it doesn't have quite the same cultural importance that it does here in in our state.
2: Yeah, no, back in my day, there was maybe like under 10 schools in the state of Connecticut, I want to say, that had the cross teams. Like nothing in my high school's like division had the cross teams. So my school didn't have it and no one around it had it. Some like on the outskirts of Connecticut had it. Um, and then I feel like now though, being a Virginian, uh, I've got friends who like what their kids are playing right now is the cross. It's, you know, it's not as physical as football. So you don't have to worry about injuries as much. It's not as taxing on a parent. I'd say as hockey with, you know, you got all the equipment, the ice rinks, all that stuff, but you know, kids can run around. They can have fun. They can toss a little ball around. Um, and I feel like the big thing's going to be if you can get people like you said, one of the big things having the fan base in the SEC to get there. But if it becomes a bigger thing for kids to play in the South and they start playing it younger and get going and I have no basis, maybe they already are playing it, but it can get really pretty big.
1: Has anyone who's ever said in the same like three sentence span back in my day? And I have friends who have kids that then gone on to become a division one punter. Has that ever happened at any point in human history?
2: No, but you're going to witness it live on tailgates on May. So you know, better back
1: in my day. (laughs) Sounds like you're going to be a real locker room guy, you know,
0: really relating to your teammates there. Yeah.
2: Well, you know what? We'll play video games together. You know, all the kids play video games these days. That's how you're going to relate.
0: Ben's just going to then's going to be hanging out with the coaches. Yeah, hey Ben's going to get
2: invited
1: You're to gonna... like pizza and beer at the coaches after watching film. Yeah.
2: Which is also wild to me like this is obviously very like you know long way away or whatever but like the fact that half the team would not be able to legally drink beer is just and I feel like
1: this is, the the honestly the ultimate Ben thing would be to make the team and then get kicked off the team for providing beer to the <laughs> underage players on the team. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's literally I was thinking, I was like, yeah, can I not just like bring beer in a cooler in my Jeep at like after the practice? Oh, good, good practice, guys. You want you want a beer, and then just you know get kicked off.
0: Really making his case for why he's going to be a valued valued presence on any team. Learn. Why would you want to take a chance? Good chemistry. Why would you want to take it's a chemistry. chance on this guy?
2: I am the anti Kyrie Irving. I bring everyone together.
0: That you do. It's, yeah. it's evidence. Prison. Evidence <laughs> uh, by by this podcast right here, just bringing us all together, <laughs> sentence by sentence. Okay, guys. I think that's enough on the lacrosse for now. Ben, to your point, there are there's a ton of growth in the South in terms of kids playing lacrosse, and uh, it's now a sanctioned sport by GHSA, Georgia High School um, State Athletic Association. So that's a huge, a huge step forward. Like I said, Maryland has a few players from Georgia on the roster. I mean, I, I just envision a scenario where an SEC school or a couple schools do get programs, or even. Right now, now that Michigan and Ohio State are both good, where there's a Michigan-Ohio State game where it really has a ton of importance, and people come out solely because it's Michigan-Ohio State games, and there was a few bone-rattling hits that happened today in that game, and I I just envision one of those happening, and the Ohio State fan base that is football, 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 90% of the year just erupts because it reminds them of you know, James is standing up a Michigan running back on the goal line. And I, I think there's something there. I'd be interested to see. I don't know what the details are for the Big Ten's new media rights deal in terms of where they have lacrosse placed. But I'd be interested to see TV-wise, if they could get some of those games maybe on NBC, like a Maryland Hopkins game on NBC at some point because Johns Hopkins is in the big 10 for lacrosse or even Michigan Ohio State like I think there's a lot there to make that into something now that Michigan has has taken a big step forward they beat Maryland in the big 10 tournament title so a fun weekend of lacrosse congratulations to Notre Dame getting on the board winning that national championship but Guys, this is kind of our the kickoff episode of a new era, so I want to give everybody a chance to get to know you a little bit and know what you're all about. So I put together what I think is actually a fun, cool version of your at-work icebreaker, where I'm going to ask you guys some questions. Uh, I'm going to answer them, too. And we're going to get to know a little bit more about you, but more about you as a college sports fan, a college sports watcher, a college sports observer. Get to know what your opinions are, where you stand on things, where you stand on the big macro topics here. So let's start with something uh, that I think about all the time, because there are a ton of things that I would love to change. Ben, I'm going to start with you. If you could change one rule in either college football or men's college basketball, either on or off the court, what would it be? First off, I'd like to
2: start this answer with, I hate icebreakers. And as I was talking to you last weekend, literally one of my main driving reasons to become a punter is to have a final answer of, in an icebreaker, oh, what are you known for? Two truths and a lie. Like So I can say, hey, I was a Division One punter. That's my dream. Rule number... or. Er, to answer your actual question, the rule I'd want to change is that it should be illegal for a college football team to have those three people in front of the punter on a punt formation. That is what I like to see outlawed. That's an illegal formation. Get them on the line, normal. That's my rule.
0: Jeez, we're really gonna have to talk about punting a lot going forward, aren't we? A little bit. This is gonna be a back
1: little... in back in your day, nobody nobody stacked the line like that.
2: No, like when has it ever been beneficial? Like I don't have the manpower or desire to go through all the film ever, but I doubt in the history of college football that that formation has ever been beneficial. Show me the stats.
0: And now it's talking punting with Ben. Brian, how about you? What would you change?
1: You know what, Ben? Honestly, though, I think like I have, feel like I have seen a lot of block punts with guys like because you let more guys through and then they just get a leap like, all you have to do is leap, like, higher. They up. have
2: the momentum, too. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was talking.
1: We already signed off. That was talking putting. Um, I think, uh, man, I don't know. I don't know how to institute a rule. But I, can I Can I just point out an issue that I think needs addressing? I, I I'll take it that route. I think we need better – early season non-con in men's basketball, just like across the board. Like, I don't know if it's just requiring intra P five games in November or something. The champions classic is fun. Every I get excited every year. Cause it's like, it's the second game, first or second game for all of those good teams. And there's always, I, I mean, we're fans, right? So we find games that are fun to watch but i i want the excitement to be there we don't have to wait till january and february for the excitement to be there and i think just kind of forcing some folks hands in terms of scheduling would would do that i know you know there's there's tournaments and things but sometimes it's it's clear you expect to win those tournaments going in i just i think there there's got to be a way to create more good dramatic matchups early in the season i think i think like some teams have really Take in, you know, like Gonzaga. Since they got really good, has scheduled like crazy. Like they they'll play anybody, anytime on an aircraft carrier or in a in a gym, right? Uh, I want more of that. I, I remember looking at Gonzaga's schedule and being like, they're they're playing everybody. They're playing Baylor. They're playing Alabama. They're they're going anywhere, anytime. Um, and so kudos to Mark View for that. I, I want that to kind of be a thing, you know,
0: nationally. So do you know my idea on this? Have I told you my idea on this? Uh, The regional tournaments to kick off the year?
1: Yeah, I believe that was actually tailgate to May. That's a great call. That's a great call. It's been a Tailgate to
0: May episode talked about how I'd love to implement regional tournaments to kick off the college basketball season. So an event where you have, I don't know, I'm just pulling this off the top of my head. I think this might have been the example I used, but like Xavier, Dayton, Ohio State, and Cincinnati. Are all part of a tournament that kicks off the year. That I think is something that we could really use, and I couldn't agree with you more. I'm with you. We we got to find a way to get better games early in the season, and we got to find a way to make those games matter. Which is why I get so up in arms when people get to the selection Sunday and they and they're so upset that a team that was terrible in the non conference, like Texas A&M, two years ago doesn't make the tournament because the non-conference has to matter and if it if it doesn't then people are going to care about it even less than they do now and, and that's a problem so i'm with you 100 there brian if i could change one thing i'm going to stick with basketball too and uh you know what i would do i would change the foul rule from five to six fouls i, I think it does two things here I'm so sick of watching college basketball games where key players are just sitting on the bench and don't have an impact on the game because they pick up two early fouls and coaches basically auto bench them for the rest of the first half. And you don't get to see a player that you presumably came to watch that that's a very good player, a fun player, entertaining player, and somebody could have a big impact on the game. I'm sick and tired of that. I also think it would, in a strange roundabout way, create a little bit more flow to college basketball because I think it would create more aggression it would be it would make it would enable and maybe flow is the wrong word, but I think it would create this feeling that you can be more aggressive you don't have to be so on edge about picking up that second foul picking up that third foul um and it would create more action where you're actually taking the ball to the hoop and or challenging a shot challenge going up to block a shot so that's what i would do i would uh i would let players have six fouls like they do in the nba any objections to that one
2: That was literally what I was gonna say until I thought of the punting one. And like, literally, it's the same thing. In the first half, it's like, oh, you have two fouls. Automatically, it's just an unwritten rule. Basically, you have to go on the bench. You get a third foul, you have to go on the bench until like the twelve minute mark. It's just give me another foul. I want people to be aggressive. I want bodies to slam on bodies. And you guys, you
1: guys both just want Maryland bigs to be able to hedge unlimited screens without fouling it, going to the bench. I'm looking at every Maryland big since we were in school together who's picking up <laughs> shitty fouls trying to hedge a screen. That's that's I, what we if, need. What we if need. there
2: were six fouls, that Maryland-Alabama game with Julian Reese would be a whole different ballgame.
0: You know, I was wondering as I was thinking about this how much this is influenced by the fact that Julian Reese is notorious for picking up early fouls. Uh, I, I don't think it's that influenced by it. I think it's just, I, I, think, um, I think I'm onto something here and it's not Colored by my Maryland bias. At least that's what I'm going to tell myself. The other thing for that I will
2: argue with is like when overtime happens, how many times is there like 10 people with four fouls? And it's just like really overtime, like it's going to happen sometimes. There shouldn't be fouls. So like six is like egregious. If you reach six, that's a lot. Five is like, okay.
0: Yeah, agreed. Agreed 100%. All right, let's move on to the next one here. So we are about to enter the last year of the four-team college football playoff era. Brian, I'm going to go to you first for this one. Rank for me the postseason formats that we've had in our lifetime. The bowl system, the BCS, and the four-team playoff. Let's start there with those three, because those are the three you've actually seen in our lifetime.
1: Yeah, I'm going to just run them back in reverse order. I think the the four-team playoff is... The best of those, I would go BCS and then bowl system. I think the four team playoff has honestly kind of been a success. Um, You know, I'm excited for it to expand more teams. You mentioned the home sites. I mean, the only thing I would change about the, the upcoming 12 team playoff is uh, quarterfinals at home too. Cause it seems a little bit weird that the, um, the highest seeds don't get the benefit of the home game, right? Just the the, the five, six, sevens, and eights of the world. Um, but yeah, I, I've really, really enjoyed the playoff. I, I think, um, you know, it's like you look at what Cincinnati did um, and, and, and now that a G5 team is going to make it every year, I, I just hope that doesn't go by the wayside, right? Like Cincinnati was a preseason top 10 team. It wasn't so much of a surprise that they got there, but I don't think many people were like, This is going to happen until it happened. Um, So you know, for for me, uh, my lasting memory of the 14 playoff is the teams that got there that weren't supposed to. Cincinnati and TCU mainly, because I think now we're not going to lament like the 13th team that didn't make the top 12. Like you need to you need to be one of the top 12, and that you got to draw a line somewhere, kind of vibe. Um, But for TCU to go unranked to number three, for Cincinnati to be the group of five team that finally made the playoff. Uh, really, really impressive stuff. So I'd go reverse order to answer your question. fourteen, BCS, bowl system. Ben, are you with me?
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, ultimately, everyone's going to complain in a, any system. I mean, how many years do people complain in the BCS? How many people, times do people complain in the fourteen playoff? There's always going to be complaints. Ultimately, the fourteen team playoff got it right, I want to say almost every year, I would say. I mean... Even when Ohio State snuck in, what that first year, and they went and win, it's pretty good. Uh, but then it eliminates, you know, what you have in 2012 when Notre Dame went undefeated in the BCS, and you have to put them in, and then it got stomped by Alabama. So ultimately, I agree with you. That's the way to go. Give me the 12 team. I'm ready to go, Steven?
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm ready for the 12 team too, but it's because I dislike the four teams so much. And when I say I dislike the four teams so much, I enjoy watching the games, but I really hate what it's done to the conversation around college football. It's all we focus on now is these four teams. And it felt like when we just had two teams in the national championship game, for whatever reason, there was more conversation around everything else going on. And now we're so focused on these four teams. I actually think the expansion to 12 is going to... Is going to? I mean, we're going to be talking about more teams because there's more. There are more teams involved in the playoff conversation, and ultimately, will make the playoffs. The focus will all still be on the playoff, but there's going to be more teams involved. So, I actually think four. I like the BCS better than four. I I don't love. Like, I don't know how many times the BCS got it wrong. True. Two
2: thousand five Utah would like to have a question with you, sir.
0: Okay. I, 2005 Utah, uh, you think 2005 Utah? Are, it well, might be 2004. It might be 2004.
2: It's sometime okay. Utah in the mid 2000s.
0: Because 2005 is Texas's. Vince yeah, Snowy no. Astros, it,
2: it's so, 2004 because 2005 draft is when Alex Smith went first overall. So it was ever Alex Smith last year when they, I think they finished third in the BCS.
0: Yeah, I just, I don't think that it was that bad and i think that it that's not a great argument but i think there was still so much value on regular season games uh, back in the bcs era now how many times do we see teams lose and it's like okay great they lost a game i think at least the 12 team playoff is going to put more importance back on winning your conference championship so i do like the bcs better than the 14 playoff i obviously enjoyed watching those games and uh but i'm excited for the 12 teamer Okay, let's go rapid fire here, guys. Uh, Got a few quick ones for you. So this is a a meaty question, but summarize this as best you can. Ben, what does the Big Ten need to do to win a college basketball national title?
2: Uh, Just perform, honestly. I mean, season-wise, you're the best team, your best conference in the regular season, and then get your shit together in the NCAA. Brian?
1: Yeah. yeah, I was going to say recruit better. you got to get the best players. Uh, you want to win a title. I was just pulling pulling this up to try to answer this question. Um, you know, 247 sports recruiting ranking. Uh, Indiana looks like they generally have the the top recruit. Jalen Heshafino, they had him at 23. The last time a top 10 player went to a Big Ten school, I haven't gotten to yet, and I'm back to 2018. Uh, 20, 2018, actually. Diamondstone? Pop quiz. Steven, anybody?
0: 20, sorry what was the question
1: 2018 2018 a top 10 recruit picked a big Ten school it was the last 10 last time it happened two four seven sports I don't know it is yeah we're, we're gonna have a lot of dead air uh, Romeo Langford to Indiana 2018 the last top 10 recruit uh, to the big Ten so yeah I, I think get better players
0: mine's a variation on yours it's get better guards because they're a very good big men in the Big Ten, and there have been for a long time, but it's, they, they do not have the elite-level guards. I remember looking at the preseason watch lists last year, and for those guard spots, uh, there was almost no Big Ten players. For the big men spots, a ton of them. Better guards, guards won in the tournament. Uh, big Ten needs better guards. Brian, what is your favorite Maryland team of all time? So give me the year and sport. Oh man.
1: Hey, really quick before the viewers come for me. Uh Indiana has a top 10 recruit this year, but they only have him because he decommitted from Duke because Philipowski's staying. They were never going to get him. So my my point stands. Okay, favorite Maryland team. Um yeah, I I think it's got to be Graves' his senior year. So so uh men's basketball, what would that have been? Um
0: 2010.
1: T- uh 2009 2010 yeah yeah so um that i mean obviously a, a heartbreaking way for it to end but just being in school obviously plays a factor here um had a lot of fun watching that team and it'll always be my favorite maryland team ben
2: yeah i hate to be a loser and do the same thing but that is also my number one favorite team question for another podcast why does the big 10 dominate offensive linemen and big men we'll get that in another episode steven what's yours
0: 1999 Maryland basketball, Steve Francis's one and only year there. It's not a team that won a title. It's not a team that really won anything of value, but it was the most exciting Maryland team that I have ever seen. The energy in that building, the excitement around Steve Francis, that was... Uh, uh, just an unbelievable year and he was an unbelievable player and there's only one player who i have a shirt of uh, a drawing of him dunking in coalfield house and that is steve francis that's my answer uh all right i got one individual one for each of you ben pop culture guy here what were you more excited for last night's succession season finale or the upcoming premiere of i think you should leave season three
2: Oof, that's tough uh ultimately i'm gonna have to go with the serious finale of succession because it is a top five show for me all time i think you should leave is some of the best comedy out there right now and it's my guilty pleasure to just put on all time but you can't go wrong with succession i urge anyone who hasn't seen it to watch it power through it will blow your mind
0: brian individualized question for you here your father now right got a lot yeah. on the got a lot on the plate. Have you thought at yeah. all about how you are going to raise Jordan when it comes to sports fandom? Are you going to try to indoctrinate him early? What if he comes to you uh, one day, you know, wife's a Penn State grad. What if he says to you, "Daddy, I I like the white team. I like the Lions." rah.
1: Well, he's good. (laughs) He's going to have to do a lap or two around the house on account of the RAR. Uh, But I get it. I get it. Um, Yeah. So uh, my wife and I have established a a from the moment he was born. We're keeping an all time track of men's basketball and football. And it'll guide us this way. Of course, guys, listen, he's not going to be a Penn State fan. It's not. If he says that he's going to get a timeout or whatever sort of discipline that we have determined by then right now. He, he runs the show. We don't discipline him. He disciplines us, but um, yeah, the plan is, so he's a, he is currently a Maryland football season ticket holder. So we're going to get him, get him to the stadium this year, get him in the game. You'll have those cute little baby headphones on not know what's going on, but uh, he's going to be a, a ticket holder. So he'll like that. Um, You know, he watched March madness, the Maryland games with me this year. So we're, we're getting him in early. Uh, obviously, the, the Penn State comeback wasn't great um, for, for that competition uh, on the basketball court. But um, yeah, the plan is to generally let him figure out his own way, but like have one hand on his back as we're guiding him towards what we
0: ultimately want. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Brian Kaufman. Over there, that is Ben Crowley. I'm Stephen Gorgie. Guys, this was a blast. Looking forward to doing many more of these and uh, diving into some real hardcore college sports stuff here in the future. I'll talk to you all next week. And until next time, keep the grill hot in the cooler cold.